Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Aha, Mr. Cage, how we doing at the end of the week, sir? Fantastic. It's the end of the week, so uh, happy happy the weekend's here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully we'll have some good weather this weekend, too. Hopefully. All right, folks, so if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter where you're listening to us from. We're on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has his own podcast that he created and co-hosts on. Sir, would you like to tell him about Uncaged Voice? If you're an entertainment fan, a wrestling fan, a gaming fan, a comic book fan, or anything entertainment related, you definitely want to check this podcast out. It's hosted by myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. We did drop a our first new episode of 2023 a couple weeks back. Our second episode, unfortunately, got blocked by YouTube's algorithm because we were talking over some old footage of WWE Royal Rumbles, so we couldn't get around the copyright claim, unfortunately, but we do have a new episode we're going to be recording next week, and typically we do every other weekend, so definitely check that out. Yeah, get on there, guys, and support that podcast. I know all about YouTube and being blocked and canceled and all that good stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rough gig on YouTube, so with their uh, censorship and all their crazy rules, so get on there and support these guys. That's Uncaged Voice. Also, if you like to uh, find out about what's going on in the world today, politics, current news, or listen to some uh, interesting interviews, you can always check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Uh, that's a co- that's another show that I host. We uh, drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. I am currently working on a show for this Saturday that uh, may surprise a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff going on, so check that out. Right here, though, on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, we do drop new episodes every Monday and Friday. Sometimes we may be a little bit, a little bit late because, as we all know, life happens. But we do bring you the news, and one week, almost a week out of the Royal Rumble, boy, oh boy, there is a lot of news to go over. Also, all the social media links to the show are in the bottom there in the description, along with our link to our merch shop. So be sure to check that out. There is supposed to be, they promised me they're adding merch to the shop by Monday's episode. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff in there. They're just, I want some different variety of stuff in there uh, for you guys as well. And for not just the uh, 
against the map, but for the uh, Red Pill uh, podcast as well, just to shake things up just a little bit. All right, so uh, at the beginning of each episode, we do uh, My Fantasy Booking. Basically, what this is is Mr. Cage picks a wrestler. I pick a different wrestler, and we discuss if they were booked different or something, if their career was critiqued just somewhat in a certain promotion, then they may have exceeded like they did in other promotions or what have you. A lot of times, a lot of great talent come and go out the door, and people forget about them, and that's what uh, this episode's all about, this segment of the episode. So uh, before we get into news, let's start off with my fantasy booking. As always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start us off. Thank you, Kentucky guy. Well, I am going to focus on a tag team, a tag team this week that is probably considered one of the best in the history of the wrestling business. They had all sorts of success in the 1980s. They unfortunately disbanded permanently in 1990, unless you count a short-lived, reformed version of them in the WWF in 1998, which I'll get into in just a second. But I am talking about the famous tag team from that hails from the dark side, the Midnight Express. This group was first started in 1980 with lover boy Dennis Condry and ravishing Randy Rose in Southeast Championship Wrestling. In 1983, they disbanded, but were reformed later that year in Mid-South Wrestling, this time with the team consisting of lover boy Dennis and beautiful Bobby Eaton under the management of Jim Cornette. And this became one of the most famous versions of the group. They were a tag team until 1987 when they worked for Jim Crockett Promotions. Dennis Condry later left the team and was replaced by sweet Stan Lane, who continued having tremendous success alongside beautiful Bobby and Jim Cornette. And just to give you an idea of how successful these guys were, in 1986, they were ranked as the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Tag Team of the Year. And to just give you a little bit of an idea of their accolades throughout their career, they were the NWA American Tag Team Champions. They were the ASW Tag Team Champions on seven occasions. The International Wrestling Cartel Tag Team Champions on 10 occasions. They were, of course, the NWA World Tag Team Champions at Jim Crockett Promotions. They were the United States Tag Team Champions there as well on three separate occasions. I mean, these guys did it all. They had the feud of the year in 1988 with the Fantastics. Again, voted Tag Team of the Year in 1986, 87, and 88. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, these guys sound like they made it. They made out really well for themselves, didn't they? Well, they did. Lot, lots of classic feuds with the Rock and Roll Express, the Road Warriors, the Four Horsemen, you name it. In 1986, Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton and Jim Cornette actually had an opportunity to possibly go to the World Wrestling Federation. They met with Jim Cornette in New York, excuse me, with Vince McMahon in New York, and... Uh, one of the biggest issues here is that Vince McMahon was only meeting with them based off of the recommendation of Ernie Ladd, another Hall of Fame wrestler. And he met the Midnight Express. You know, they, had, they all had lunch. They kind of talked about the possibility of them working for the Federation. Well, when push came to shove, they ultimately decided it, w it wasn't going to work out. They were going to stay with Jim Crockett Promotions, which was a very smart move on their part. It was a very stupid move on Vince McMahon's part because... He had, as I said, one of the best tag teams in the palm of his hand that he could have persuaded to try to sign with his promotion once their contract expired 
with Jim Crockett Promotions, but he didn't do that. So Vince McMahon missed out on his one and only opportunity to sign the Midnight Express. Well, fast forward to 1989. At this point, the Midnight Express were the victims of pretty subpar booking in WCW. They were losing a lot of their matches for no good reason. And Jim Cornette had made the suggestion that if they were going to re-sign with WCW at that point, that they should make better use of the Midnight Express. So since he was, uh, he was constantly being told, well, we want to transition you out of being a manager and we want you to be a commentator. He said, fine. Why don't you just make the Midnight Express a part of the Four Horsemen? You would have the four best heels in the company working as a part of one faction together. Probably would have been arguably the best lineup of the Four Horsemen in the group's history. But ultimately, they were overruled. That didn't happen. They did end up signing a one-year extension with WCW very reluctantly because they were being offered a lot less money than they were really worth at that point in time. And, of course... Jim Cornette and Stan Lane famously left WCW in, uh, in October of 1990. They were just sick of the backstage politics. They just walked out. Bobby Eaton was not in a position to do that because he had a wife and four kids to take care of, so he had to stay with the promotion and continue uh, working for WCW, which he did for many, many years as both the single star and as a tag team wrestler. But, uh, you know, you think about how everything ended for the Midnight Express. It was just kind of... Just kind of a whimper. And a tag team like that deserved a much better send-off, whether it was going to be a breakup angle or whatever it was going to be. They, they, they just kind of disappeared and were never heard from again, other than to continue um, wrestling at independent reunion shows over the years. And of course, let's not forget that 1998, the WWF decided to reform the Midnight Express with Bart Gunn and Bob Holly as a part of the new Midnight Express, again, with Jim Cornette as their manager, probably one of the stupidest booking decisions. Fortunately, it only lasted two or three months, and then they broke up as a tag team, and that was the end of the Midnight Express as we know it. So like I said, great career for this team. I just feel like there were a couple of points where they could have been used a little bit better, and like I said, in 86, uh, Vince McMahon could have done a lot more to persuade them to come to the World Wrestling Federation. They could have had some classic feuds there. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Well, first of all, they, uh, okay, so let's just be honest. <laughs> let's, let's just be straight up. Let's be honest. The Midnight Express was a cookie-cutter version of the Rock and Roll Express. They even tried to take the last name of the Rock and Roll Express. Well, they did take it. They had a manager who is still today is the worthless biggest crap. And I know he's from Kentucky. He's in Louisville, my home state. But he is, he is so, I listened to this guy yesterday on his podcast, talk about the Royal Rumble, talk about Cody Rhodes, talk negatively about Bray Wyatt. And this guy just shoots his mouth off. And he did back then too. You take away Jim Cornette's tennis racket and they don't win half of those championships as the Midnight Express. All you do is take it away. That's all you got to do. And this is the first team I ever seen who one of their members left, retired, disappeared, what have you, and another member comes on and they keep the same name, the Rock and Roll Express, or the Midnight Express. They keep the same exact name, and they try to 
do the same gimmick. Yes, Vince McMahon. I will agree with you on one thing, dude. The uh, WWE, WWF, what, what, what have you? Midnight Express was was even was sad. It's kind of like when they tried to they brought out the fake Diesel and Razor Ramon. I don't know why in the world they don't just back then they just didn't move on with the new concepts and had the same old loudmouth manager as well. So yeah, it was destined to doom from the beginning. Not a fan of the Midnight Express, as you can tell. <laughs> Not a fan of their manager mainly. Those guys had they had some talent. I thought Beautiful Bobby was way overrated though. He's a big guy, he had a gut on him. He he wasn't he let's put it this way, he'd never make it in today's world of wrestling. Exactly. Okay, so let's move on. Here we go. Here's what you've all been waiting for is actually the Kentucky guys fantasy booking this week. My fantasy booking this episode is none other than John. Oh by the way, my fantasy booking guy, I'm going to show you how two Two organizations horribly dropped the ball on this one superstar. My fantasy booking this episode is none other than John Michael Watts, better known to all of us as Mikey Whiprack. Mikey Whiprack, he's a, uh, before becoming a professional wrestler, he joined Eastern Championship Wrestling. He was in ECW, that's where most everybody knows him from. And he was a part of their ring crew. He would have, he would uh, usually work for free as long as they could have fun in the ring themselves before and after the shows were over. Joey Styles, you guys remember him? He was a famous commentary out of ECW. He suggested to the booker, Paul Heyman, and the owner to check out uh, Mikey Whipraff after watching him practice in a variety of aerial maneuvers before a live show began. Paul Heyman actually hired him as an ECW wrestler with no experience, and he was trained by none other than Vince uh, Vince McMahon, Mick Foley. <laughs> so once he was trained, he began his professional wrestling career in ECW in 1994 and received the push of the underdog, who quickly captured the television championship. And his first title in the company as his first title in the company. He would later form an on-and-off partnership with Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack at that time, with whom he held the World Tag Team Championships twice between 94 and 96. A year later, Mikey Whiprap captured the ECW World Heavyweight Championship at age 22 and became the youngest ECW World Heavyweight Champion ever in history. Here's where he made his mistake. Mikey left ECW for WCW in the late 1998. He made his surprise WCW debut at Uncensored Pay-Per-View in March of 99. Unsuccessfully. That's right. His debut. Unsuccessfully. Challenging Billy Kidman for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. He made only three more pay-per-view appearances. He would lose to Scotty Riggs at Spring Stampede. He would lose to Van Hammer at the Great American Bash. His final WCW pay-per-view match was a Junkyard Invitational at Bash at the Beach. He left WCW after several months. Several months. He didn't even last a complete year. 
because he was upset and disillusioned by his lack of push. While in WCW, he generally wrestled in the cruiserweight division or competed against fellow ECW alumni, the hardcore division, which made him a lower card wrestler. Here is an interview. Here's an interview that Mikey did. So WCW once again had a superstar, did not know what to do with them, and completely blew it. Question, how did you get in WCW when you made the jump? Answer, quote, Perry Saturn, he was down there. He goes, hey, Mikey, they'll bring you down. I said, to do what? Perry reached out to the ECW, having bounce check issues at the time. My body's feeling pretty beat up, so I said, well, I'll go down there for a little while, make a little money. It'll be all right. Went down there and had a good match with Billy Kidman, got buried for it. That was the end. Question, what do you mean? Why, why, did, you, why did you get buried for it? Answer, quote, Jimmy Hart told me that Virgil buried me to Hulk Hogan, and then because I was, uh, I was the match before him and Stevie Ray in the battle for the NWO black and white. I guess they couldn't keep up at the time. People were pissed off, I guess. So why? Here's the thing. First of all, who's Virgil? That's Ted DiBiase's bodyguard. And Hawk, that shows you right there, this is one of the reasons why WCW went out of business. Hulk Hogan had way too much influence in behind the scenes. And he buried this kid, and this kid, like I mentioned, he lost every match, and he, ugh, he wasn't there a full year. So here is my question that I have. Why didn't the WWE ever hire him? He was never hired with the WWE. They did offer him an NXT trainer job. So why did he decline that? He revealed that the WWE did reach out to him to become a trainer at NXT, but he turned it down. He said he didn't feel comfortable moving his family down to Florida for something he knew in his heart he wasn't committed to. This guy was still wrestling back then. He wasn't a trainer. He was in great shape. He said he would have accepted an invitation to be a guest trainer on occasion. But he has no regrets about this decision. Right. He wanted to, I don't know. He, they, you have to, he would have to move to Florida. He lived in Tennessee, uproot his family, which wrestlers do it all the time. But this was probably something that he was going to be fired from anyway. All right. So, and just to kind of show you how WWE and WCW dropped the doll on this guy, this guy is a six-time heavyweight champion in six different promotions. He's a five-time tag team champion, four-time cruiserweight slash junior heavyweight champion. And the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, in 94, voted and he became, and he won Rookie of the Year. How can you drop a ball on such an esteemed athlete at two different organizations? I'll never understand. And this is why WCW went down the drain. And WWE almost followed suit just Vince had enough money to do the right thing and put it as a trading company on the stock exchange which helped keep them going okay that's all I've got sir your thoughts well everybody appreciates a good underdog story and there's no question that Mikey Whipwreck in 1994 when he got a chance to wrestle for ECW was in the right place at the right time and took full advantage of it so I say good for him, and same thing with becoming the youngest 
ECW world champion in in the history of the company. It's quite an accomplishment being 22 years old and being a world champion. Now, me personally, I never really bought into the hype that much that was Mikey Whiprick. I mean, I saw some of his matches in ECW and WCW, and I thought the guy was okay. Nothing to really set the world on fire, in my opinion. Uh, for me, the most entertaining stuff he did in ECW was when he was paired up with Tajiri. And I think that's just because Tajiri is so talented, he can make anybody look great. And don't forget, they also had Sinister Minister as their manager at the time. So, the Unholy Alliance, which I believe what they were called, their tag team name, um, got over because of all those of all those elements. I think in many ways, while I understand Mikey Whipwreck's reasoning for going to WCW, because hey, if ECW is going to bounce checks and not pay you money that you've that you deserve, well, you're going to go to a place where you're at least going to get a guaranteed paycheck. I am actually a little surprised he never wound up in the WWF at some point during the Attitude Era, because I think they would have thrown him right into the hardcore championship uh, feuds with you know a million guys, and I think he probably would have fit right in. But I, yeah, I don't know, Kentucky guy. I, you know, Mikey Whipwreck, he's okay, but I, I just was never the biggest fan in the world of the guy, uh, and I kind of understand why he was never pushed as a major player in in some of the other big big promotions. ECW, I kind of get, but I, I think he would have just gotten lost in the shuffle in the WWF, and obviously was lost in the shuffle in his short time in WCW. Well, in WCW, he got buried on his first match. So he wasn't really lost in the shuffle, right? I mean, he was buried by uh, by Virgil, <laughs> who was Ted DiBiase's bodyguard or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think you know enough of his history to make the comments you made because he was a six-time world heavyweight champion in six different promotions, and he actually won the ECW world title as a singles competitor. This guy was trained by Cactus Jack. Uh, okay. Let's move on to wrestling news. All right, so the first headline of today's show. Did you have Did you have something you wanted to say, sir? No, I did not. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> I just heard a noise click, and I thought, that's usually when you remove mute. So, <laughs> All right, first headline. The genius Lanny Poffo dies at age 68. Lanny Poffo, known during his time in the World Wrestling Federation as Leaping Lanny and the genius, has died at age 68. The news was broken by Axel Jim Duggan on Instagram page on Thursday afternoon. The case, the cause of his death is unknown at this time of writing this. Uh, Popo's prolific wrestling career began in the 1970s during the territory era, appearing in promotions such as the National Wrestling Alliance before jumping to international championship wrestling, which was owned by his father, Angelo Popo. After stints, in the Continental Wrestling Association and Mid-South Wrestling, Popo joined the World Wrestling Federation from 95 or 85 to 1992, where he became known for his hill work and his poetry. After leaving the WWF, he joined the company's rival promotion, WCW, from 95 to 99. According, according to Cage Match, he wrestled his final match in January 2020 for Survival Championship Wrestling. In New York, Poffo uh, inducted his brother, the Macho Man, this is a real-life brother, by the way, Macho Man, Randy Savage, into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2015. In 2020, 
He appeared on an episode of AEW Dynamite as a part of a tribute to the legends of Memphis Wrestling. Oh, you know, I didn't see that episode. I didn't know he was on AEW. Outside of wrestling, Poffel was an author who published two books, including the anti-smoking book, Limericks from the Heart and Lungs, his his biographical comic, The Genius of Lanny Poffel, was released in 2018, the same year he started his The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffel podcast, which saw him interview a host of wrestling legends. By the way, I went and checked that out after I found this article. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he's a very talented and funny guy on the podcast. Uh, per IMDb, he was also an actor who starred in movies such as Curse of the Wolf, Ninja, Prophecy of Death, and Alien Danger 2 with uh, Raven Van Slender. So, yeah, so anytime that we lose somebody, you know, we just lost Jay Briscoe. And now another uh, a wrestling superstar in Lanny. A lot of people didn't know that him and Macho Man, I was surprised how many people didn't realize that Lanny Poffo and the Macho Man were natural brothers. But yeah, that's how they got started, uh, especially in the South where I'm at. These guys, like 15, 20 minutes from here, that's where they first, very first started wrestling at, in an old beat-up shack with a wrestling ring. And they just grew from there. and. uh yeah, he might not have been as popular as the Macho Man, but at one time, he was on a pretty good run in the WWF. And uh, he was he's a funny guy, especially the uh, poems he used to write about his competitors. <laughs> so, Hart uh, goes out to the Poffo family, and, uh, you know, best wishes as always. Uh, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, my most fond memories of uh, Lanny Poffo were, were during his stint as the genius. I always thought he was an entertaining heel manager. He would, of course, always have to bump for the babyface tag team at the end of the match. Usually, whether his wrestler or team won or not, he would always take a big bump and the crowd would get a good laugh out of it. Uh, I did know that he and Macho Man were real-life brothers. I, I actually found that out many, many years ago when I was just starting to get into wrestling. But uh, I know there are many people who still, don't, still didn't know that um, unless they saw the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 2015. But yeah, definitely, you know, another tragic death in the world of wrestling. Uh, never, it's never, never a good thing. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, let's see. Next headline: The Rock has left open the door for a WWE WrestleMania match next year. Although The Rock's status for WrestleMania 39 is not set in stone, he won't be wrestling, as he indicated to WWE that he doesn't feel like he has enough time to get into the kind of shape. He feels he needs to be in a match against Roman Reigns. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted The Rock has left the door open to do a match at WrestleMania 40 next year. WWE has already confirmed Roman Reigns will defend his undisputed uh, title against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 39. The same goes for Dwayne, The Rock. Dwayne could be there in some way or fashion. There are people going, Oh, don't you think it's a swerve? They keep saying it's not a swerve. I've been told this for a while. There's always the maybe. It's a secret light like the Pat McAfee thing, right? Royal Rumble surprise turn. Only a few people know. We're past that point. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. He's getting the championship match. It's not Dwayne anymore. 
Dwayne's not wrestling anybody unless it's these three second unless it's a three second match. He did not feel that he had time to get in the shape that he needed to do a WrestleMania caliber main event and left the door open for next year, Meltzer said. Yeah, so uh, next year, WrestleMania 40, he's going to be another year older. He's already old as dirt. Uh, he's a movie star. Dude, just stay out of this business. That's my thoughts on that. Your thoughts? Well, we know my thoughts. I mean, even though I don't think The Rock needs to wrestle another match, if he feels it's worth coming back and he can get that crowd up in their feet one more time, then I'd love to see the most electrifying man in sports entertainment step into the squirreled, cir- the squirreled circle one more time, drop the people's elbow, hit the rock bottom, and make the crowd go crazy. As far as his opponent, I think we all can assume it's going to be Roman Reigns if they were to wrestle next year. Just like if it would have happened this year, that's who his likely opponent would have been. Um, I just hope that if we do get that match next year, I mean, I personally don't think it needs to be for a title. So special attraction matches is, is more than enough, and I'd be more than happy with that. Who wants to watch an old actor drag around the ring? We get it enough with Goldberg and John Cena. I don't know. Okay, uh, next headline is yours, sir. Next headline. Triple H says Vince McMahon's WWE return has been great. Paul Triple H Levesque has spoken about the return of Vince McMahon to WWE. Last July, McMahon announced his retirement as the chairman and CEO of the company. He also relinquished his role of running the creative team. Following McMahon's exit, Levesque was named the chief content officer. McMahon's retirement didn't last as he is now back with the company, with McMahon reinstated to the board of directors and serving as the executive chairman. Many wondered what this would mean for WWE storylines. So far, McMahon has not been involved in the creative process since his return. During a recent WWE earnings call, Levesque discussed McMahon finding his way back to the WWE. I also want to add having Vince around has been great. Having him back and involved even at just the broad level comes with his incredible insight. McMahon initially stepped away from WWE in the midst of investigations into hush payments made to lock away accusations of sexual misconduct from former employees. The Wall Street Journal was the first to break the story on McMahon's alleged secret payments. The Wall Street Journal had another report claiming that McMahon was planning to return to WWE as he felt he was given bad advice to step away. The report noted that McMahon felt if he had waited a bit longer, the controversy surrounding him would have blown over. Ultimately, the report turned out to be accurate. McMahon claimed his presence was needed to secure that new media rights deal or to ensure that a new media rights deal is secured and the chance that WWE could be sold. Yeah, well, um, of course, I couldn't tell that story without doing my uh, my famous Triple H voice. Um, you know, my whole thing is, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, is that if Vince is just coming back to help smooth things over and to ensure that a, a sale goes through, the right one for, for the company, and the right one that's going to ensure a prosperous future for WWE, then I'm all for him working behind the scenes. But darn it, I've said it before, do not let this man back on television. Do not let him anywhere near creative. There's enough controversy surrounding him already, which we'll get into more later. Um, You know, I just, I get that this is 
this is his baby. This is the company that he built really from the ground up when he bought it from his dad back in 1982. But I mean, he, he's I mean, he's got to he's got to call it quits at some point, and because there's just been too many allegations against him over the years. Yeah, here's the thing. I think Triple H's statement did I, to me it sounded scripted. I don't know, but what you think? But I think that I don't think that's really how he feels. We already know that he opposes the sale of the WWE. We already know that him and Stephanie voted for Vince McMahon not to be back on the board of directors. We've already reported this, and we already know this. And we know that there's always tension there between those two. Plus, his wife, his wife, the mother of his children, had to leave her company and leave the job because of this old man. So, I just, for me, and Donnie, you can, you can uh, give your thoughts on this. I think that whole statement was scripted. What do you think? I think if it's not entirely scripted, it's at least partially scripted. Because like you said, and I agree with you on this Kentucky guy, Stephanie and Triple H were not in favor of the sale of WWE. I mean, they're they're going along with it because Vince, you know, basically put himself back in this position of executive chairman. There's not a whole lot they can do about that right now. So they kind of just have to just roll with it, but yeah, I mean this—I I don't truly believe this was a, this was a um, you know Hunter being a, being a hundred percent honest with the, with his true feelings about it. Right. All right, sir. Your next headline: New potential buyers said to be interested in WWE media rights. WWE held an earnings call on Thursday where executives announced annual revenue of one point three billion the highest in the company's history. With media rights deals expiring in 2024 and negotiations set to begin later in the year, WWE CEO Nick Khan answered a question regarding U.S. media rights and revealed that there are more interested buyers now than there were in the last round when WWE only had two potential buyers. USA currently holds the rights to Raw and NXT, while Fox has SmackDown. In addition, WWE has a deal with Hulu, which owns exclusive next-day streaming rights to its programs. WWE has been breaking records in 2023. In early January, the company announced that WrestleMania 39 has already broken the all-time gate record for any WrestleMania before any match was even announced. The Raw XXX special on January 23rd sold out the entire Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia and delivered the highest domestic gate in the show's history. Which I'm glad they uh, corrected one of the commentators. He was calling it the Wells Fargo Arena. It's the Wells Fargo Center. To cap off the month, Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas was a massive success. The 2023 premium live event was not only the most viewed Rumble, but also the highest grossing. It set an all-time gate record of over $7.7 million, which surpassed the previous record held by the 2017 Royal Rumble by 50%. With Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns potentially headlining Elimination Chamber on February 18th, and Cody Rhodes challenging Reigns at WrestleMania in April, WWE's hot streak is only getting hotter. It's no wonder why more buyers want to get in on the action. Yeah, I was not aware of those statistics before I read this story. That's pretty incredible that they're still making all this money. But then again, when you are selling your media rights to all these other companies like Fox and USA, that's probably how you're going to bring in a lot of that revenue and i you know the fact that wrestlemania 39 is already has already has has the highest gate 
in the history of the event is is pretty incredible. And thus proves my theory why we won't see Vince McMahon a part of creative anymore. Vince McMahon, even though he is has a huge ego and he's a selfish guy, he is a businessman. And they just reported the high, highest earnings in years because it's Triple H's WWE now. And that's why Vince isn't touching. That's why he's working. I think you reported it on the last episode. That's why he's working normal hours and just going in, doing his thing, and then going home and not touching creative on any of the shows because he understands that his time has passed. He's smart. Yes, he's got an ego. Yes, he's made a lot of mistakes. Yes, he's he's a dirty old man, right? But he's still a smart businessman. And when he sees this kind of revenue coming in, he knows, whoa, ho, 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 I better not touch this. You know, you can't, why try to fix something that's not broken? So, like any business, true businessman would think. Okay, so uh, let's see, I've got the next headline. Sami Zayn had the support of a few people in WWE to headline WrestleMania 39. Fans and wrestlers have praised the WWE for the storyline with Sami Zayn and the bloodline. It grew organically as confirmed by Zayn in various interviews where he initially thought it would have been a good way to be mentioned with Reigns on television. Never thinking that it would get or last to the point that it did. Zayn became an honorary member of the bloodline and was accepted by the members of the group, only for it to end at the Royal Rumble after Reigns retained the undisputed WWE Universal title over Kevin Owens. Post-match, the bloodline beat down Owens. We know all about this. The further uh, Reigns was going to hit him with a chair, Sammy stepped in. Reigns wanted Sammy to hit Owens with the chair. He refused. Uh, Reigns, and then he hit Reigns in the back, and the bloodline beat down Sammy Zayn. As previously reported, we talked about this on the last episode, before the Royal Rumble, Vince McMahon and Triple H do not see Sami Zayn as a as the new face of the WWE. They do not see him as the guy. So instead of Zayn winning the Royal Rumble like a lot of fans pushed for and people in the organization, Cody Rhodes won and will be the one to challenge for the title uh, at WrestleMania, and I think that that is that is a mistake. Just to be honest with you, uh, they they're afraid because the Kofi Kingston thing and the Daniel Bryan thing, where it kind of fizzled out, they're afraid that that's what's going to happen with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is is so hot right now. I just I just think that this is a mistake. Now I'm going to do this other headline real quick because it coincides with this, and then we'll get your uh, opinion on it. But I think that that part right there is definitely a mistake. They didn't even have Zayn in the Rumble, which they should have. Okay. So the next headline is the WWE is expected to announce Reigns defending against Zayn at the Elimination Chamber this month. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer News, Dave Meltzer reported that there was some support from people in WWE that wanted the WWE to change plans instead of the Elimination Chamber, and have Zayn get the WrestleMania main event spot. However, that will not be the case. As we know, Vince McMahon and Paul uh, Triple H saw Zayn as a guy who, could, who, who cannot headline WrestleMania. So in that scenario, 
Zane will be challenging in Montreal and moving it to the Elimination Chamber. Oh, here we go. They're afraid WWE did previously for Kofi Kingston, which got hot, got the spot planned, for which got the spot that was originally planned for Kevin Owens in 2019, and they were never going to make this mistake again. Okay, so yeah, that's what I just said. So yeah, so that kind of went along with that. Uh, your thoughts on it, sir? There's what it looks like they're going to fight at the Elimination Chamber in the main event for the titles. Well, I think it's a smart move to have them face each other at Elimination Chamber because they're going to be in Sami Zayn's hometown of Montreal. And again, we'll probably get into it a little bit more when we talk about uh, SmackDown from this. Well, we'll eventually talk about SmackDown from this week. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it'll be a great match. There's no question about it. There's, there's tons of heat between them right now. It's the hottest story in the company. And I know we're comparing Sami Zayn's rise to Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. Daniel Bryan's rise had had been happening for months leading up to uh, WrestleMania. I mean, I mean, dating back to like SummerSlam the previous year, where he got screwed out of the title uh, after he beat John Cena, and Randy Orton came in <laughs> and picked up the broken pieces. But uh, <clears throat> you know, Kofi Kingston was obviously getting a lot of fan support in 2019. So they kind of hot-shotted him into the, ti- into the title picture. I would say that in many ways, Sami Zayn, I guess, this has happened more organically because the Bloodline storyline's been playing out over many, many months. People kept speculating, when's Sami going to turn? What's going to happen here? So it makes sense for them to have this matchup. But I feel like the plan all along was to do Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, and again, I'm talking once they knew The Rock wasn't going to be ready for WrestleMania. They said, we're going to stick with Cody Rhodes, and this is what we're going to do. And honestly, if you watch the crowd's reaction at the Royal Rumble, they still were really happy to see Cody win. So it's not like this is a situation where, well, we're just going to go ahead with our original plans, even though the crowd's going to hate it. I don't think that's the case here. I think even though the audience would love to see Sami Zayn in that main event position at WrestleMania, they want to stick with their original plan, which is Cody Rhodes. And being a Cody Rhodes fan, I'm happy he's finally going to get this spotlight. And I'm looking forward to the matchup. I personally don't think that if they do wrestle at Elimination Chamber that Sami Zayn's going to beat the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns. But I could be wrong. They might They might surprise us. They may surprise us. You never know. Anything can happen in wrestling. Yeah, it's already scheduled on the on the the as the main event on the card. And everybody's talking about Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. So this match is, it's kind of like the Kevin Owens match. You know he's not going to lose the title. You know he's not going to lose it to Sami Zayn. Don't get me wrong. I would like to see the title one day on Sami Zayn, just to be honest with you. But you know it's not going to happen because now they're already building towards Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. And that's the one problem that they need to kind of slow down their horse on. Okay, I understand that the bloodline deal had to come to an end. But why in the world would you do it right before you're getting ready to start promotion, promoting the main event of your biggest extravaganza event of the year? I just, I think the timing on this is a little off. Don't get me wrong. The bloodline story is without a doubt. The best storyline in WWE in many, many years. Best. Maybe ever. 
I just think that the ending of it, the timing, is a little off, in my opinion. So before we get to the next headline, let's go over a few raw results. Uh, let's see. Candice LeRae, she fought against uh, Ivo Sky, the winner. Sky won that match. Rick Boggs showed back up after injury, after a few months, and he was placed in a prompt-to match against The Miz, and actually The Miz put Rick Boggs over. Boggs won the match. In the main event of Raw, we had Finn Balor versus Cody Rhodes. The winner, Cody Rhodes, of course. He's going to WrestleMania in the main event. He's not going to lose right now. They're not going to let him lose anything. But uh, your thoughts on those three matches, sir? Cody's got to look strong going into WrestleMania season. This was a good match. Him matching him against Finn Bauer. I think their styles meshed pretty well. Glad to see Cody get the win. Um, you know, Candice LeRae, Io Sky. I feel like we've seen that match a bunch of times now. It's time to move on. I mean, I mean, I understand having someone from Damage Control go over in this match. It makes total sense. Um, but I think we had talked about it a little while ago, uh, Kentucky guy that. If Candice LeRae just keeps losing the damage control, it's almost like if you can't beat them, why don't you just join them? Join their ranks. That way, maybe you could start racking up some wins rather than just being made to look like a loser every week when you just can't get can't get the victory. Um, the Rick Boggs thing, beating the Miz, Rick Boggs, however it's pronounced. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not really a big fan of the guy unless he's paired up with Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, ha- you know, happy happy that he's back from injury, but. He's just not someone that I'm really crazy about. So, you know, the Miz losing here, I, I, I don't really understand that one. Well, that's, uh, and, and I hate saying this because I'm a Miz fan. Miz is turning into the next Dolph Ziggler, just there to kind of put people over these days. Ever since he lost against Logan Paul, that's kind of what he does now. Okay, next, uh, next headline, and then we'll get on to your headline, sir. Let's do this one first because it coincides with the raw results. Cody Rhodes elaborates on the Winged Eagle WWE World Title Team. Cody Rhodes recently teased bringing back the Winged uh, Eagle version of the WWE Championship. And earlier today, he had a chance to more thoroughly elaborate on what he meant with that particular Instagram story. During an appearance on The Bump, Rhodes said that growing up, that was the one title that he always wanted to have. Quote, through my youth, the WWE that I was watching was really synonymous with the winged eagle, Rhodes said. I think there's a lot of people who love the winged eagle's design. Some people like the big eagle, but the winged eagle was one of, it was the one for me. And today's design with the giant W is also incredibly special. Uh, it is, it's this walking billboard for the promotion. Additionally, Rhodes made it clear that he wasn't making any sort of guarantee when making that social media post. Quote, it was just a pipe dream, Rhodes said. I posted that, and I don't want people to think that I'm calling a shot. I don't want people to think that I'm going into business for myself. Rhodes is no stranger to bringing an old fat, old school feel to the WWE Championship. Back in October of 2011, Rhodes reintroduced a white Intercontinental Championship design similar to the one worn by Shawn Michaels many years prior. In the storyline, Rhodes said he was bringing Prestige back to the mid-card title. Time will tell if he'll be able to capture the undisputed uh, Universal Championship at WrestleMania and give those belts 
a winged eagle fill once again. So I, I wanted to report that because Bret Hart commented on the winged eagle belt and said that he would like to see it back in the WWE as well. So, and when Cody Rhodes first came back to WWE after his WrestleMania match, the first night on Raw, what did he talk about? He talked about that one title. So it's pretty obvious they're building up if he was to defeat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, that that title's coming back. And uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's a prestigious title. I, I like to leave the past in the past, though. And, you know, let's, if we're going to combine these belts, let's combine them and make it one belt. This is getting old, the champion carrying around two different belts. So bring it back if you want to, that's fine. But retire both of those other belts, unless you're going to split them back up. They need to split them back up. But it doesn't sound like it because the match is for the undisputed Universal Championship at WrestleMania. So it doesn't sound like they plan on splitting them up. I thought they would because I know they had uh, they are splitting up the tag team titles once the Usos lose them. So I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, the Winged Eagle is definitely a classic WWF belt. I mean, that was introduced in 1988 at WrestleMania 4. They didn't actually retire the belt until WrestleMania 14 after um, Steve Austin won it from Shawn Michaels. So it's, so it's a classic design, probably one of the best in the company's history. I do agree that the current belts that they're using, the WWE and Universal titles, could use a revamp. They're literally the same title belt, just with a different color scheme. So, I mean, I remember when they first introduced the Universal title, it had the red strap. And it looked just like the WWE title, just a different color. And and that's kind of one of my issues with the belts in general right now. The women's belts on SmackDown and Raw look exactly like the men's belts. Again, just a different color scheme. And the tag belts look identical. It's just one's red and silver and one's blue and silver. I'd like to see the create the design team go a little crazy and surprise us every now and then. The only belts that look distinctly different really are the United States and Intercontinental titles, which, by the way, I hate the Intercontinental title design that's, that's currently on Gunther. That man, that man is deserving of a, of a nice-looking belt, and, it, and it's not good. The United States title, I like the design of that. that that's a good-looking title belt. But, uh, yeah, I, I think people who are expecting them to bring back the winged eagle, I agree, Kentucky guy. Let's, let's leave the past in the past. Let's come up with a fresh design. All right, sir. So you have the next headline. Here we go. Next headline. Update on timeline for the possible WWE sale. WWE held an earnings call Thursday afternoon and released the full year results for all four fiscal quarters of 2022. The company saw an 18% increase in overall revenue, which, as I mentioned earlier, was $1.3 billion, the highest in the company's history. Nick Khan, Triple H, and WWE CFO Frank Riddick were all present for the earnings call. And during the call, there was a question and answer session where Khan spoke more about the possible sale of WWE. If WWE is acquired by a new owner, Khan said that any transaction would respect the rights that NBC Universal and Fox hold. He also hinted at how the first renewal rights window could begin just after WrestleMania 39, which is in April. When asked about negotiating a possible sale of WWE, Nick Khan noted how it will give more bidders a chance to make an offer. He also revealed the right 
of a first bid will kick in short order for incumbents for both Raw and SmackDown. Last month, Khan became the sole CEO of WWE after Stephanie McMahon stepped down as co-CEO. Her departure came just a week after her father, Vince McMahon, reinstated himself on the board of directors. Vince made his return to WWE as first reported by the Wall Street Journal in part to help pursue a possible sale of the company. So this is a lot to unpack, Kentucky guy, and basically what I'm reading here is it sounds like WWE has to decide after WrestleMania 39 whether they're going to renew some of their uh, media rights with companies like NBC, Universal, and Fox, or whether they're going to start negotiating with other companies. WWE, I think, has a really sweet deal with Peacock right now because it basically replaced the WWE network. And to be perfectly honest, I've had a much better experience watching both premium live events and past events on Peacock than I ever did on the WWE network. WWE network, there were always issues with it, with, with the streaming service, whether I was watching on my phone or on, on television. So I'd like to see WWE continue their working relationship with NBC Universal. Fox, on the other hand, I don't think has done the best job um, running SmackDown. I'm actually kind of surprised that WWE doesn't just have all their main tentpole shows on USA. But I'm sure there are more reasons for this. Um, like I said, maybe Fox just offered them more money for the media rights. So that's why they went in that direction. Um, I don't know your thoughts. Well, I think that uh, I think Fox is going to be out, to be honest with you, after uh, after this next bid. And the reason why is because I think it's uh, it's Fox's decision. I don't think they're going to offer nowhere near or be in the ballpark of the competition as far as offers because Fox actually lost a lot of money on the WWE prior to 2022. So now that their contract is up, I just feel that I, I'm surprised to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm surprised that Fox is actually still putting a bid in. So I don't look for them to be with Fox uh, after WrestleMania. There are, there are so many, and you're right about Peacock and the Wrestling Network. Man, buffering on, I remember on the WWE Network, oh my goodness, buffering was so bad that sometimes I would turn it off, especially during live events, live pay-per-views. I would turn it off and watch it the next day because I just couldn't do it. It did not have the server. I don't know what the problem was. It just did not work right. And I don't know how, especially like a WrestleMania, like we've been talking about. Yeah, forget about it on the network. Forget about it. And I was one of the first. I've got a card with the signatures of the uh, that horrible group. What's their name? Uh, the New Day. I've got a card. They sent me a card because I was one of the Otis uh, subscribers. Not age-wise, but when it first came out, I subscribed to the network like the first day. And kept it until Peacock took over. So... Yeah, I've seen the good and the bad, and there was a lot. There was a lot of bad. You're absolutely right. A lot of bad on the network with Peacock. I don't have any problems. None. You know, people can say, "Well, is your internet and this that?" Ah, bull. We don't even have cable in my home. We do. We cut the cable a long time ago. Everything's ran off the Wi-Fi, so it was the actual network. So, yeah, I can I could see them moving everything to Peacock. Not a yeah. I wouldn't have an issue with it either. I agree with you on that. Okie dokie, let's get on to the... Uh... 
Vince McMahon and WWE facing a new lawsuit over horrifying allegations. WWE is facing another lawsuit from a shareholder who has brought a suit against them because of the horrifying allegations made against Vince McMahon. According to court documents obtained by Bloomberg, Dennis Palkin filed the lawsuit against WWE in Delaware's Chancery Court, where Palkin looks to ban Vince McMahon from the company's board of directors. He also wants to gain access to internal WWE files to investigate allegations that Vince McMahon, and I quote, raped and sexually assaulted employees and contractors over the course of decades, only to pay the the accusers to cover up the allegations. The facts here start with horrifying allegations that Vince McMahon raped and sexually assaulted a number of WWE employees and contractors over the course of decades. When confronted, he then paid the victims nearly $15 million in hush money to buy off their silence. There are serious questions about how Vince McMahon obtained and delivered those funds to his victims, part of the lawsuit read. The lawsuit noted that Vince McMahon showed a flagrant disregard for basic corporate governance norms and demonstrating his view that rules do not apply to him. Three other lawsuits have been filed against McMahon and WWE. Two of the suits look for a mootness fee after McMahon rescinded company bylaw changes. I I mean, these are serious allegations, and they cannot simply be swept under the rug. I mean, I will just just say that I I, I still firmly stand by the belief that if these allegations were not true, Vince McMahon would not have paid off the alleged uh, victims, former employees, contractors, whoever they were, you know, upwards of $15 million. I mean, why are you paying this amount of money if these allegations are not true? In cases where it's not true, as much as you hate to do it, you send your lawyer to court and he, and he fights off the allegations on your behalf. Um, or, you, or you come up with testimony or documents that prove your innocence. And in this case, it's not happening. So, I mean, this is not the best time for these allegations to come to light again, but this is why WWE on the public stage needs to distance themselves themselves from Vince McMahon as much as they can. Yeah, so this is the first time that I've heard the word rape. Uh, I've always thought that it was consensual. So this is the first first time that I heard this. Uh, That's Ooh, that changes the ball game. That changes the ball game. Boy, oh boy, if there's any truth to that whatsoever, wow. Yeah, because uh, it was all, even with the referee that he paid off, it was all consensual until now. And the guy that, what's funny is the guy that's bringing up this lawsuit was the same guy, if you go back a couple episodes ago, that we announced Vince McMahon added back to the port of directors when he first came back. If you remember, he added him and some lady back to the board. Crazy. Talk about biting a hand to feed you. <laughs> Which I don't, you know, if this, if there's any truth to this, the guy's right. It makes the company look horrible. I don't understand how anybody's going to buy the company uh, with him at the helm. I don't understand why they think he would be, be- it seems like his presence would be worse for the sale of the company because of these horrible rumors. Now you're talking about something. When you start talking about rape, that that's a whole different ballgame. That's, that's that's rough stuff, man. Rough stuff. 
Thank you for bringing that to our attention, though. Yeah, and I mean, all I just want to add to that is it's like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it makes him look bad as an individual, but it, it makes the company look bad because if there are people that still serve on WWE's executive board that knew that knew that these allegations were true and they never said anything, I, I yeah, I, I I just don't even want to under, understand their thinking about why why nobody spoke up sooner. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no there's no explanation, none whatsoever. You cannot justify this. If there's any truth now, you're innocent till proven guilty. We're still in America. I know nothing. I don't know this man's life. Uh, usually, and I say this all the time, and I because I believe it, and I've, went, and I've lived by this all my life. Usually, where there's smoke, there's fire. However, this, like I said, it's the first time I've heard that word rape. So, I don't know. Whew. Okay, let's move on to the next headline. Brock Lesnar reportedly got backstage heat for a spot at the WWE Royal Rumble. During this past weekend's 2023 Men's Royal Rumble, Brock Lesnar was sent flying over the top rope by Bobby Lashley after spending just over two minutes in the match. Following his elimination, an irate beast went on a rampage around the ringside area and caused all sorts of mayhem. According to Fightful Select, some of the former WWE champions' actions Caught many people off guard, <laughs> off guard as a result, attracted some heat behind the scenes. Although Lesnar was apparently set to have a freakout, freakout following his surprise exit from the bout, many individuals in and outside of the ring were not prepared for what was to come. After crashing the still steps onto the commentary table and wiping out Baron Corbin's during his entrance into the Rumble, the Beast sent WWE official Eddie Organo over the barricade and into the front row. It's said that the incident involving Organo in particular gave Lesnar a little heat. The WWE referee who allegedly may have sustained a foot injury because of the occurrence reportedly missed a crucial moment towards the end of the men's Royal Rumble because he had to sell Lesnar's attack. Despite seemingly taking matters into his own hands, Rightful was told that the heat is a relative term for Brock Lesnar. He's not going to get in trouble. Of course, Lesnar is one of WWE's most valuable assets and will likely receive much more leeway than other talent further down the roster. Notably, the Beast Incarnate has been involved in several similar scripted commotions in the past. So for fans watching on, it would have seemed like a typical Lesnar reaction. The 45-year-old is reportedly set to face Lashley in a trilogy match at the upcoming uh, Elimination Chamber event this month. Yeah, I can see where that would, you know, that poor referee, <laughs> he wasn't expecting it. I could see how uh, good for him for still selling it, though. Uh, you know, with a foot injury, that's, you know, I mean, they're referees. They, they, take, they can take some horrible hits sometimes but you know they uh they have good ones i have to say wwe has some of the best referees and the reason why i say this is because they seem to always be on their toes and they're always ready for the next thing like hit me go ahead hit me again hit me again and what have you so yeah i'm i'm actually uh okay with this and yeah brock lesnar he's not going to get in any trouble he's not going to get in any trouble whatsoever 
So, all right, sir, your thoughts. <laughs> I think they should put a disclaimer in the uh, referees that are, are assigned to work Brock, Brock Lesnar matches. Uh, by the way, may, may, he may cause bodily harm to you during the course of the match. Make sure you, you check this off and say you're okay with that, provided you're not hospitalized over uh, whatever harm comes to you. Uh, yeah, Brock, we know, is, a, is an intense uh, beast uh, individual who sometimes gets a little carried away. I mean, of course, there's not going to be any lasting re- repercussions for him. But um, I do agree with you. The referees, man, they, uh, they they can take some abuse in the in and around the ringside area. Yeah, they just, uh, it, it, boy, it's changed a lot, right, over the years. I remember the referees, you touch them and boom, you're disqualified. And now, whew, I think Earl Hefner was probably the first referee I ever seen really get laid out in the ring that didn't disqualify that person. And I was like, whoa, that was during the Attitude Era. Okay, next headline. Plans change. Gunther versus Brock Lesnar. Unlikely for the WWE WrestleMania. This is, this is our, I disagree with this decision wholeheartedly. Let's, I'll go ahead and get into it. Plans for Gunther taking on Brock Lesnar in a match at the WWE WrestleMania 39 is, is an example on how plans can change at any time. In December, it was internally scheduled for the biggest event of the year for the company. The bout made sense as the international intercontinental uh, champion had talked about wanting the match due to his belief that a match with Lesnar would present the biggest possible challenge for him. WWE even teased a showdown between the two superstars in the 30-man Royal Rumble match. However, wrestle votes reported today that while a decision has yet to be made, there are plans in place for a triple threat, triple threat bout pitting Gunther, this is so stupid, versus Shaman versus Drew McIntyre with the Intercontinental Championship on the line at Mania. The two matches for Mania were confirmed this week on WWE Raw as undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns will defend against Cody Rhodes, and SmackDown's women's champion Charlotte Flair will take on Rhea Ripley. Austin Theory talks uh, talks history with Brock Lesnar. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm just going right into the next headline. <laughs> yeah, so those are the two matches that are absolutely 100% confirmed for Mania is Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns and Charlotte Flair. Now, I think that changing, I would love to see the Gunther versus Brock Lesnar. Why? Why do we have to put Drew McIntyre and Sheamus? These are the Banger brothers or whatever the heck they are. Why are they going to fight against each other for a title? We've seen Gunther and Sheamus a few times now. And Drew McIntyre, I mean, he's a waste of space anyways. Make, do not, do listen to your fans, Triple H. We want Gunther and we want Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Let's do this and make this happen. Your thoughts? So, I mean, if they do go ahead with Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley at Elimination Chamber, then there's no reason not to have Brock Lesnar versus Gunther at WrestleMania. I'd love to see that match. But I feel like at this point in time, they're stretching it out for whatever reason, and 
they're going to probably have Brock Lesnar versus Gunther at SummerSlam this year because you're going to need big matches for that. It's one of your top, one of your big four pay-per-views, premium live events. So I think that's likely where it's going to happen. I could be wrong, and if they do move forward with Bobby Lashley versus Lesnar at Elimination Chamber, then great, maybe we will get that match. What I would do if I was booking is if Gunther is not booked against Brock Lesnar at Mania, and, you, you, and you're saying, well, he's going to defend the Intercontinental title in a triple threat match. Well, why not just throw Karrion Cross into the match and make it a fatal four-way? What's he booked to do at WrestleMania? They've pretty much forgotten about him, except when he wrestles Rey Mysterio. So why not just up the stakes and put him into a fatal four-way for the, the Intercontinental title match, rather than just making it Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre? I feel like you could definitely build a storyline with all four of those guys. But uh, I but I agree, Kentucky guy. Um, Gunther versus Brock Lesnar would be the big money match for WrestleMania. You know, uh, I, I agree with you. Why did you bring why did they bring Karrion Cross back? This guy, you let Rey Mysterio beat him, and then he doesn't last long in the rumble. Nowhere nowhere near like he does. This is a superstar. That you've got a second chance of life with, and uh, you're not. Once again, you're not doing. It. You're not capitalizing on it. And yes, I understand you have a lot of superstars, but come on, man. When you've got the guy that has the look, he's over with the fans. Even though he's a heel, he's still over. You know, when the fans boo you and you're a heel, that's what you want. You want them to boo you. You don't want them to applaud you and cheer for you. You want them to boo you. That means you're a good heel. He's over with the fans. I just, I don't get it. Uh, you're right. I'm glad you brought up Karrion Cross. I didn't even think about that. What is he doing for WrestleMania? Are you going to leave this superstar off your your enchalant show for the year? Ridiculous. Next headline. Austin Theory. In an interview, he talks history about Brock Lesnar, the future of the WWE feud with Bobby Lashley, and prison, prison, Dominic Mysterio. This past weekend, Theory come up short in the WWE Royal Rumble after being eliminated by eventual winner Cody Rhodes and will now be forced to put his U.S. title on the line inside the Elimination Chamber later this month in Montreal. While the main event looks to be Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn, Theory will look to once again steal the show just as he did the last time he climbed into WWE's most dangerous structure. Though his previous memorable chamber moment came at his own physical cost as he was F5'd off the top of the chamber pod by Brock Lesnar, who went on to win the match. So before I get into this headline, this interview, let's go over the elimination chamber qualifying matches that occurred on Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins faced Chad Gable. The winner, Seth Rollins. Baron Corbin versus Johnny Gargano. Thank God, Gargano won. Baron Corbin, he's a waste of space, man. I, I hate to say it, but I don't even know why he's why he's on there anymore. Uh, Bronson Reed versus Dobbs Ziggler. Winner, Bronson Reed, who they have a major push behind right now. He's a big guy. I just, I don't know. I, I don't care much for him, but, I mean, he didn't beat him. He beat Dolph Ziggler, who puts everybody over. Uh, your thoughts on those three qualifying matches, sir? Well, Johnny Gargano and Seth Rollins make make the most sense. Um, you know, Bronson Reed, he had a little bit of a memorable run in NXT when he was last with the company. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really big on the guy. I would have been okay with Dolph Ziggler winning this match just because of his, just because of his work rate. Um, but you know, they want to, they want to mix it up a little bit. I am glad that Baron Corbin did not win his match. <laughs> Even though when you look at Baron Corbin next to Johnny Gargano, you, you would think a guy his size, oh, this would be an easy victory for him. But nah, Johnny wrestling outsmarted him as he always does. Um, but I'm just like, you know, why, why not, rather than doing Bronson Reed, why don't you throw Dexter Loomis into the mix and have him beat Dolph Ziggler and get in the match? I mean, there's a guy that they've forgotten about since he wrapped up his storyline with The Miz. He's just he's just taking up uh, roster space right now. And where's Ciampa? Where's Ciampa? I think he's still injured right okay. now. I didn't realize he was injured. Okay, that makes sense then. Because he's, uh, first of all, he needs to break away from The Miz and do a true run. On the main roster, I think he, he's a he's a phenomenal wrestler. I, I really enjoyed him when he was champion in NXT. So, anyways, let's get back to this interview with Wrestling. Their senior news editor Nick Cosman from after Friday's Royal Rumble press junket had a talk with Austin Theory, reporter. I got to ask you about the big thing that happened this past Monday night. You had another run in with the Beast, Brock Lesnar. Theories. I had him right there, and then he picked me up, and I remember hitting the table really hard, and then I won, so I think, I don't know, did I hit a DDT when he picked me up to the table, or, or what? Interviewer, we all saw Brock Lesnar kind of drop you on Bobby Lashley, so I don't know. Theory, is that what happened? <laughs> That's what we all saw, Austin. Okay, well, I'm still the champ. Brock Lesnar doesn't seem to like anybody. No, he doesn't. You know what? Maybe I'm a little out of hand. I don't think he likes me. I don't think so. I could try to draw that from what happened this past Monday. But honestly, I think I've actually perfected the F5-1. The F5-1. think I'm the one person that has it figured out. And now I keep my United States Championship because of it. Boom. Question. Interviewer. You talked a lot about how you would really love this dream match with John Cena, right? Right, but we're only a couple months away from WrestleMania now, and I don't know what John's plans are. But the Beast has kind of put you in this vic in vicinity here. Is there a marquee match with the Beast in you, interest? So are you thinking that it's possible for me versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Yeah, because you got a title. Title matches are a big marquee matches. Is that match is that match you would want? I mean, it doesn't seem like a fun time wrestling Brock Lesnar. Theory. If that's the challenge, I'll take the challenge. Me and Brock Lesnar for the United States Championship. Interviewer. Now, if you were to have a match, is there any stipulation you'd want on it? Theory. Definitely no disqualification. Just because Brock Lesnar definitely going to need all the weapons he can use against me. <laughs> boy, oh boy, this punk. Uh, interviewer. But I think this, that stipulation, I think that's all you'll need. Theory, I don't know, man. No DQ. This guy drove a tractor to the ring of WrestleMania. Nearly cut the ring in half with that thing. I mean, you throw the no DQ thing out there, I have no idea what this guy could do. Interviewer, do you feel you have anything to prove with Bobby Lashley still? Or do you kind of see yourself moving past Bobby Lashley? Theory, I am moving past Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley 
is they jealous of me. It all started when I got on the platform and I was doing my posing routine and his this guy was jealous. I get it. I get it. And then we had a match of money in the bank. He won. He was the better man that night. What do I do? I was like, all right, I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to go win the money in the bank match. And all of those guys complained that I entered that match, but I was the only guy in that match that was not 100%, and I beat everybody. And then after that, look at my money in the bank cash in. The only reason I didn't successfully cash it in was because of Bobby Lashley. So what happened this past Monday? We get rid of Bobby Lashley. He lost. He lost. You lost, Bobby. You lost. One thing I really want your thoughts on are that we've realized over at Wrestling Inc. that you and I think Dominic are the only Generation Z wrestlers right now on the main event WWE roster. Theories. Man, that's, that's very unique, especially with Dom. Me and him are really good friends. So both being 25 years old and having the position that we both have and just the level of being on Monday Night Raw and what we're given is amazing. And especially like you said, having that different dynamic and that different fan base to really look at us because we're the guys right now. It doesn't feel that way because you got more time in front of you than pretty much anybody else on the roster right now to grow. You talked about backup against Brock Lesnar, this Dom uh, done time in prison. That's true, but I think Dom's a little too dangerous for Brock. Really? The interviewer asked. I love this. Uh, Answer by theory. That's prison Dom we're talking about, bro. So I wanted to read that interview. I know it's kind of lengthy, but it kind of gives you a perspective of what theories, uh, what his mind thinking is. However, to his contrary, there was another report to come out, and I'm just going to run these two together, that may interest him after he did this interview. And the headline reads, John Cena is locked in for WWE WrestleMania match. Although John Cena is staying busy in Hollywood, he will return for a match at the WWE WrestleMania 39. Cena hasn't worked a WrestleMania since 2020 when he did the Firefly Funhouse match with Bray Wyatt, but the company has wanted him for this year's show dating back several months, and they will get it. Last year was so was uh, speculation that Cena would work about against Austin Theory at SummerSlam, but that didn't happen. A few months ago, there was speculation Cena would wrestle Logan Paul at Mania after praising the WWE newcomer and the YouTuber calling for the bout for the future WWE Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer. WWE is going back to its original plan of Cena versus Theory. In the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that Cena's match with Theories is locked in along with other top bouts. Meltzer wrote, for WrestleMania, the locked-in matches at this point are Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes for the Universe title, Charlotte Vare versus Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's title, Bianca Belair versus the Chamber winner for the Raw Women's title, and John Cena versus the United States champion Austin Theory. It is still unclear whether the U.S. title will be on the line or not. Although Cena is filming a movie with Zac Efron in Australia and won't appear on TV for most of the build, he will at least be wrestling. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm okay with that match. I want to see that match. 
It needs to be for the title, though, because, I mean, that's, that's John Cena's belt. He's the one that made that belt relevant again. So it needs, it needs to be for the title, at least. But, uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there, sir. What are, your, what are your thoughts? So, first of all, I do want to say that um, I, I hope Austin Theory has moved past the feud with Bobby Lashley because they've wrestled a lot on pay-per-view and television. And you get tired of seeing the same match after a while, even though they mix up the stipulations. So it is time to move both of those guys past feuding with one another. You know, Theory's comments about Dominic Mysterio being tougher than Brock Lesnar. I'm just going to pretend he didn't even say that because uh, I don't think Dom Mysterio would last five seconds in a match against Brock Lesnar. Just throwing that out there. Um, But as far as the prospect of a Theory versus John Cena match, which it sounds to me like behind the scenes that match is confirmed. I agree with you. It should be for the U.S. title. That was John Cena's belt. He made it famous with the U.S. uh, Open Challenge when he was champion a few years back. Really brought a lot of prestige to that title. And if Austin Theory were to beat John Cena, which you can never you can never underestimate big match John. But at the same time, he he hasn't wrestled that much in recent years. I mean he had that match on SmackDown right before the end of twenty twenty two. But he hasn't wrestled a lot. Whereas Austin Theory is, you know, he's locked in. He's he's competing every single week on television. Uh, you know I think it's going to be a good match, and if Austin Theory could actually beat John Cena, it would do, his stock would go up a lot. Stock would really go up. Yep, 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 yep. All right, so, so let's see here. Um, we're running out of time. Let's let's talk a little bit about AEW real quick, uh, some of their results. By the way, they are considering having their own streaming service, finally, by the by in this year 2023 so it should be a pretty big year for the promotion they're also supposed to have a streaming service for ring of honor as well so they are in talks that was a headline but let's talk a little bit about some of the results real quick brian danielson versus the debuting timothy thatcher winner brian danielson uh timothy thatcher is a great, great wrestler. You guys know how I feel about Brian Danielson. I, I don't know. Is he going to be one of these stories where we do it on, you know, he lost his deb- debut match? I don't think so because he looked really good in that debut match. Even though Brian Danielson won, he barely won. But, of course, he's going to win because he's on his way to fight in the Iron Man match against the champ. John Moxley versus Adam Page. Winner, John Moxley. This match... The way it ended was kind of odd because you still had the Blackpool Club come to John's aid, at least two of them. Cesario and uh, the other guy, Yuta, they came out there. So I don't think that this is over with, this feud, but it should be. I think it should be. Anyways. And then uh, one more, uh, Jada, she impressive winning streak. She is now 50-0. I mean, what a milestone. And I loved how she went and got her daughter out of the crowd, her little baby girl, and took her to the back with her. So uh, what what are your thoughts on those three matches and the streaming, possible streaming services for AEW? Well, the match outcomes were exactly what I believe I predicted. Um, I, 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 I was glad to see Timothy Thatcher back on TV. He's always a, he's a great wrestler. And, you know, he and Danielson took each other to the limit. 
didn't surprise me that the, the American Dragon won. Like I said, he's uh, I mean he's going to be the future AEW World Champ, so he's got to look strong going into that Iron Man match against MJF. Um, I know you're going to have a rebuttal for that Kentucky guy, so hang on one second. Um, you know the uh, you know Jade Cargill's still on a huge run as the AEW Women's uh, you know TBS, TBS champ. Sorry. Um, so I didn't expect uh, Red Velvet to win this match. Um, I'm still at a loss as to who's going to end her end her reign eventually. I mean, it does have to come to an end at some point, but she's still continuing to look impressive with that win streak. And yeah, John Moxley, I expected to get his win back here from Hangman Adam Page. You know, uh, there's going to be some sort of blow-off match to this feud eventually. I don't know if it's going to be some sort of no-DQ match or barbed wire, exploding barbed wire match or what they're going to try to do. But um, it's going to have some sort of special stipulation. And it wouldn't surprise me if John Moxley put Hangman over, but I could be totally wrong about that because maybe they want to put John Moxley, Moxley back into the world title uh, picture again. We'll just have to wait and see. As far as the streaming service, I think it's a great business move for AEW. It shows they're continuing to expand and there's going to be new ways to enjoy their content. Same thing with Ring of Honor. I hope that deal doesn't fall through. I hope it continues uh, to look good and that they continue to build up that promotion again. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm so mad over the next match that I don't, I'm not even going to comment on your ridiculous accusation that Brian Danielson even has the possibility of beating MJF. I, I'm not even getting into that because this next one's got me so tore up and so mad. You talk about wanting to put my fists through my television is over this next match. AEW TNT champion defended. Darby Allen defends against the stupid television champion Samoa Joe in a no-holds-bar match. Samoa Joe ends up winning the match on a regular Dynamite or Dynamite episode. What the crap. What the crap. I don't care if the other big doofus is back, Warlow or whatever his name is, and you want to see him and fight Samoa Joe, leave this belt on this kid. This kid is, this kid has defended it against much bigger opponents every single week. You won it, and he defended it successfully. And now you have this fat piece of crap Samoan come out here and take this belt away from this kid. It's a bunch of crap. Ring of Honor, World Six Man Tag Team Champion Brian Cage fought against uh, Kanusi Takahashi. And as I predicted, uh, Takashita actually won the match. Brian Cage, uh, yeah, they just, they, he's not respected. He's not respected in, in AEW. They don't know how to use him. He, he loses way too many matches. He's a big guy. He's got the look, and he's athletic. I don't know what their problem is, but I knew they weren't going to let him win. They want to they wanna build these little Japan guys up as far as they can because they're in the process of signing Ibushi. Who is, who used to be a part of the Golden Lovers with Kenny Omega? I don't know if you guys seen that or not, but they are trying to uh, Kota Kota Ibushi. They are trying to recruit him because he is a free agent now. So, anyways, uh, your thoughts on those results, sir? I was actually surprised at the result of the Brian Cage uh, Takeshita match. Um, I mean, I know that they are trying to build Takeshita up as a future star for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But 
you know, when when one when he's wrestling against a guy who's part of your Ring of Honor six man tag team champions, you want to put the champion over. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. I, I'll never understand the questionable booking of Brian Cage in AEW, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm not the guy calling the shots, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I did hear about uh, Kota Ibushi now being a free agent, and uh, I mean, if I were AEW, I would really try to scoop him up because he's a great talent, and he 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 would he'd do great on AEW programming. A lot of a lot of a lot of good matches you could have there. I don't know if Ibushi himself wants to sign an, an exclusive contract. I've heard he's he's hesitant to do that because he want to work wants to work with a bunch of different promotions. So it'll be interesting to see then the next couple of months what he decides to do. Um, you know, it is disappointing to see Darby Allen's uh, TNT title reign come to a, a premature end. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, I'm a Darby Allen fan, no question about it. And he put on a great match against Samoa Joe. But Kentucky guy, being a longtime Samoa Joe fan, I, I, I can't be upset about it. I'm always going to be a fan of the Samoan submission machine. And I don't think he has a real lot of time left as far as in-ring competition, so I think they're trying to give him a good send-off before he eventually calls it an in-ring career. Um, But it is unfortunate that it had to be at the expense of beating Darby Allen, because he's a popular popular act and deserves to be in the spotlight. Um, I I think you and I were talking offline, and I think Darby's going to be off television for a little while. I think he's working on a movie, so that's probably why they had to make this uh, change on an episode of Dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found something here on uh, Ibushi, and he addressed the speculations about him heading to AEW. Quote, a lot of my best friends are in AEW. My younger peers in Japan are also growing up there. Nonetheless, I don't think of going to AEW immediately. I want to have a school in Japan. Once that's been worked out, I think I'll talk with AEW. So there is possibility that he may, but it's no time soon. No time soon. It looks like he's not going to the WWE. And then the last thing I've got, by the way, there was a headline that Tony Khan announced the start of AEW house shows, and they actually have a schedule for it. So finally, he's finally announced details on the All Elite Wrestling future house shows. There's a press release put forth and everything. So it should be, uh, it's called AEW House Rules. So that's pretty cool. It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> so anyways, and then the last thing was we had the acclaim facing the ass boys, the guns, whatever their names are. And they're kind of taken back because Billy Gunn set this match up between his sons, his natural sons, and the team that he supposedly manages the Acclaim, the Tag Team Champions, for next Dynamite. After the Acclaim had already told the Guns, no. So Daddy asks, I wonder, I just wonder if he's going to turn on his scissor buddies. Interesting. Your thoughts on those, sir? It certainly seems like that's what they're hinting at, um, Kentucky guy. And you got to remember, um, blood, blood is thicker than scissors at the end of the day. So... You know, I, I mean, I know, uh, you know, Billy Gunn has uh, formed uh, this really uh, unique bond with the acclaimed and they're a popular act. But at the end of the day, you're going to side with your family uh, above anyone else. I mean, these are your two biological sons we're talking about here. So, 
I, I, I think that Billy Gunn's partnership with the acclaimed is probably going to come to an end in the near future, despite their popularity. Right. And how popular are they still, is my question. <laughs> how popular are they? So that is all I have for this episode, sir. Looks like we went over. Oh, by the way, one last thing. I apologize. One last thing, folks. Don't forget, Saturday, Vengeance, NXT, pay-per-view. I'll go over the matches real quick. I don't really have any predictions for them because I I just haven't been able to keep up with NXT as much as I'd like to. There's been so much going on in GCW and Impact that we don't get a chance to talk about, but I've been kind of watching those shows instead, but I will watch this pay-per-view. Uh, NXT Championship on the line in a steel cage. Ron Breaker versus uh, Grayson uh, Whaler. Women's Championship match for the NXT title. Roxanne Perez versus Gigi Dolan versus JC Jane. North American Championship match. Wesley versus Dijak. NXT Tag Team Championship match. You got the New Day, who are the champions right now. Versus Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang versus Pretty Deadly. And then we have a three out of, uh, two out of three fall match, Apollo Crews versus Carmelo Hayes. And then we have the women's tag team championship match, Katrina Chance and Hayden Carter, who are the champions, versus Kenya James and Fallon, uh, Fallon Henley. Once again, I can't even pronounce their name because I don't follow it as much as I should, and that's shame on me. There's so much going on in these independent... If you don't watch independent wrestling right now, these independent companies, you're missing out because there's so much good stuff that's just happening right now. Oh, man, a lot of good stuff. And New Japan Wrestling, the G1 Climax, the finals are were amazing, and you, you really... Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of independent wrestling. I always have been, but right now, what a time to watch it. Anyway, sir... Uh, that's all I have for this episode. Your thoughts on Vengeance or uh, anything else? Uh, my only real thoughts for Vengeance is that uh, I, I think it, it's probably going to be time to crown a new NXT men's champion. So, you know, Braun Breaker, looked re- he's been looking really impressive, but Grayson Waller might might uh, might beat him, seeing, seeing as how it's a steel cage match. There might be some chicanery that happens there. Yeah, and uh, I think it's time for him to, uh, It's time. it's past time for him to come to the main roster, right? I mean, he's been there a while now, and I—I I was surprised he wasn't in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that was kind of—I was—I was, I was kind of hoping he would make an appearance, but unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, he didn't. I agree, though. I think he's—I think he's primed and ready for the main roster at this point. All right, so folks, you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Thank you guys so much for listening. By the way, Donnie and I have a new rule. You don't just have to listen to one episode. You can listen to another, and another, and another. And as always from us, God bless, and God bless America. Thank you all. <laughs>